0: Amen. Go ahead and grab your Bible and turn to the book of Philippians. It's in the New Testament. We uh, started a series last week in the book of Philippians called The All-Surpassing Joy of Jesus. And so we are excited to spend the next few months working through this book and thinking about the joy that we have in Christ. And so today we come to the second passage here in uh, the book of Philippians. And we're going to be looking at verses Uh, 12 through 18 in chapter 1. So this is the word of the Lord. Paul writes under the Spirit's inspiration. He said, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. Well, what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in that I rejoice. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word today. God, would you speak through me as we hear your word spoken and explained and applied to our lives, God? Would you fill us with your spirit, God, so that we might know what it is to be bold, fearless proclaimers of the good news of Jesus Christ. God, in a world that is saying a million things, God, may we be focused on saying one, that Christ Jesus lived, he died, and he rose again, that Jesus loves to save sinners and will build his church. So God, we pray that you would bless us as we come to your word now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So if something gives you joy, you talk about it. If something gives you joy, you talk about it. I don't know all of you here today, but I know this thing about you, that if you are excited about something, if you are filled with joy because of something, you are talking about it. I mean, when you bring home that brand new baby from the hospital, no one is taking you to the side and saying, Now listen, you're going to want to talk about this little bundle of joy. I mean, you're probably not going to want to, but you're going to need to talk about this baby to the people around you. Nobody's doing that. You, you, you're excited and you want to talk about this little baby that you have. When, when you get engaged, no one takes your engagement pictures and then says, listen, it's probably a good idea to post these on Facebook or Instagram. You're going to want to let people know that you're engaged. No, you want the whole world to know that you're getting married when, when you get a new job, you want to talk about it. When college game day is back, you want to talk about it. When you get that cute dress on sale at Old Navy, you want to talk about it. When your favorite band drops an album, you want to talk about it. When pumpkin spice everything is back, you want to talk about it, right? So whatever it is, if it gives you joy, you're going to be talking about it. You tell everyone. You scream it from the rooftops. You want the whole world to know. So why then is it hard for us as Christians to proclaim the good news of Jesus? Why do some Christians find it easier to talk about a bunch of kids playing with a ball than talking about the good news of Jesus, his life, his death, and his resurrection? Why do some Christians are more excited about a seasonal drink at Starbucks than they are about the Savior of the world? I mean, if Jesus really is the treasure that we claim, then why is it so hard to proclaim him at times? I know we can be fearful. I know we can be timid. I know it can be, we can be apathetic at times. But God is calling us today to be a people who faithfully proclaim the good news of Jesus. Now, I know what you might be thinking at this point. Great. Here's another sermon about sharing the gospel. Here comes that guilt trip that we're not proclaiming Christ enough. Let me say right from the start, my goal is not to make anyone feel guilty today. The spirit of God might convict you, and you may feel guilt from him. But, but the reality is, guilt will never motivate us to share the gospel. When's the last time that you felt guilty about it, and then you went and did it? Probably never. Guilt will not motivate us, but joy. Joy will motivate us. Because remember, we talk about what gives us joy. And so my goal for us today is to see how joy can motivate us to be faithful to proclaim Christ to anyone and everyone around us. So how do we joyfully proclaim Christ? Here's the big idea I want us to see from the passage. Confidence in Christ leads to joyful proclamation of Christ with boldness and without fear. Confidence in Christ leads to joyful proclamation of Christ With boldness and without fear. So let's break that down. Number one, I want us to see that we need to be confident in Christ. Remember, Paul is writing this letter to the Philippian church while he's in prison in Rome. You can read all about that in the last eight chapters of Acts about how he ended up in prison. But Paul started this church in in Philippi, and they often financially supported his ministry, they were giving Paul money to do ministry. And so they hear that he's in prison. And so they're probably thinking, well, what good is that going to do for Paul to actually continue the ministry? So one of the reasons he's writing this letter is to let them know that him being in prison hasn't stopped the mission at all. Listen to what he says in verse 12 again. He says, I want you to know, brothers, this is the, he's talking to the Philippian church, that what happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Paul's letting them know that being in prison has not hindered the spread of the gospel. It's actually helped the spread of the gospel. Through his suffering, the gospel is advancing, which is no surprise to us, right? Because the good news, the gospel, is all about a suffering Savior who suffered to die for our sins. And notice that Paul says there that he says it has really served to advance the gospel, but how? How does that happened? Listen to verse 13. He says, So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. How has the gospel advanced? Well, the whole prison guard has heard the good news of Jesus. Now, when you think about Paul being in prison, you don't need to think about him being locked up with Andy Griffith or Barney Fife. Or you don't need to think about like Pirates of the Caribbean, like he's locked in a dungeon and there's a dog with a key in its mouth. No, this is the imperial guard to the emperor, the king of the whole Roman Empire. There would have been over 9,000 soldiers who were guarding the king in his palace. You see, it might sound like Paul is defeated and and the gospel is stopped, but, but not from Paul's perspective. You see, he's been arrested for proclaiming that there's a man named Jesus of Nazareth who's actually the true king of heaven and earth, not Caesar. And that's why he's been arrested. But you see, Paul is in the most powerful city in the world. He's about to stand trial before the most powerful man in the world. And thousands upon thousands of people are hearing the good news of Jesus. And that's why he's rejoicing. But notice also the effect that this imprisonment is having on the Philippian church. Listen to verse 14. Paul says, And most of the brothers, that's the brothers and the sisters that are in the Philippian church, having become, or in the Roman church, sorry, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. He's, he's talking about the church in Rome, these brothers and sisters who have seen Paul arrested in their city and boldly proclaiming the cry that, that Christ is Lord. And so what that's led them to do then is to be confident and to boldly proclaim that Christ is Lord. You see, Paul has ignited a wildfire of gospel proclamation in the city of Rome, and he's excited about it. But you're, you're in prison, Paul. What, what can you do in prison He says, who cares if I'm in prison? The gospel is spreading through this whole city, and Paul is excited about it. Paul is confident in Christ. The Roman church is confident in Christ. And that confidence leads them to proclaim Christ. You know, I think we can look around us today and see that confident people have no problem speaking their mind. Right? I mean, just look on Facebook, turn on the news. People who are confident about their view of masks have no problem speaking with boldness about their view of masks. People who feel confident about politics have no problem speaking their mind about their politics. People who feel confident about vaccines or no vaccines have no problem speaking their mind. It makes sense. When we're confident in something, it naturally leads us to speak about it. But brothers and sisters, there are more than enough reasons to be confident in Christ. We can be confident that Christ is worthy. He is God in the flesh, and He is worthy. He's the creator of all things, and He is worthy. He's the sustainer of all things, and He's worthy. He's the ruler of all things. He's the heir of all things. Christ is worthy, and we can be confident in Him. You see, we can be confident not only that he's worthy, but that Christ also loves to save sinners. He came from earth or he came from heaven to earth to save sinners. He became a human like us to save sinners. He lived a perfect life to save sinners. He suffered and died on a cross to save sinners. He rose again to save sinners. We can be confident that Christ loves to save sinners and we can be confident that Christ will build His church. He told us so, and He will do it. He shed His blood to purchase His church. He sent His Spirit to empower His church. He gave gifts to build up His church. He called out shepherds to protect His church. He gave us His Word to preserve His church. We can be confident that Christ will build His church see, it doesn't matter if Paul is in prison or not. King Jesus loves to save sinners and will build his church. It, it doesn't matter if Christianity is declining in America. King Jesus loves to save sinners and he will build his church. It doesn't matter what evil plans the Taliban have. King Jesus loves to save sinners and he will build his church. You see, the truth is that Christ is, is committed to his mission, to save for himself a bride from every nation, tongue, and tribe. Now, he often uses suffering and persecution to do it. That's what he's doing here in Paul's life. It's often been said that the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. It's the case with Paul. That's the case with many throughout the history of the church. That's, that's the case with many today in our world. But you see, it's confidence in Christ that leads us to joyfully proclaiming Christ even in the face of suffering. So what does that have to do with us? Well, exactly what Paul says here in verse 14. Look at it again. Confidence in the Lord will lead us to boldly speak the word without fear. I mean, just ask yourself, why is it hard to share Christ sometimes? Maybe you don't feel confident in how you share. Maybe you You don't feel confident in your ability to share. Maybe you're just not confident. Friends, this is is the good news for us today. The, The work is finished. The table is set. And all we have to do is invite people to the feast. It's our job to go and tell people that there is a feast. And they can come and rejoice in Christ. You know, sometimes we make this just so complicated. And I mean, I know there's tough questions that people have. I know there's serious issues that we have to work through. I know there's lots of ways to share the gospel. There's lots of ways to do missions. But really, all we're doing is inviting people to come to the feast. The work of Jesus is finished. He died on the cross. He said it's done. Salvation is paid in full. And the table is set. Jesus has prepared A way for sinners to come home to God and to be reconciled to the Father. And so we now have the Spirit so that we might be witnesses. We might go and tell. So that we might invite sinners to come to the feast. It's not our job to save people. It's not our job to set the table. But it is our job to go and tell. We're just beggars telling other beggars where they can come and find bread. You see, the more confident we are in Christ, the more we will joyfully proclaim the good news of Christ. Now, before we move on, I wonder if some of us are still waiting for that invitation to come to the feast. Maybe you've never trusted in Jesus. Maybe you've never been reconciled to God. You've never come to the feast. Friends, if that's you, you're a sinner. You have rebelled against the Holy God. You deserve only His judgment and His wrath. But God loves to save sinners. And He's offering you a seat at the table today. If you would repent from your sins, if you would trust in the finished work of Jesus on the cross, you can be saved. You can be forgiven and you can come to the table. Today, right now, in this moment. Would you do that? Would you repent of your sins and trust in the finished work of Jesus? And come to the table and join us at the feast. If that's you today, don't leave here trusting in yourself. Leave trusting in Christ. Friends, there is a room full of people hearing a sermon today about sharing the gospel. So if you have questions about the gospel, ask somebody and say, can you tell me what this means to be a follower of Jesus? Ask someone how you can join us at the feast today. Because here's the truth. Christ is committed to saving sinners. He's committed to building his church. And we can be 100% confident in that. And So brothers and sisters, let's be confident in Christ so we can joyfully proclaim him. So be confident in Christ. Number two, be bold in Christ. Remember our main idea? Confidence in Christ leads to joyful proclamation of Christ with boldness. Notice the boldness of the Roman church there in verse 14. Remember, the fact that Paul is in prison has started a wildfire of gospel proclamation in Rome. The brothers and sisters in the Roman church are on fire to share the gospel of Jesus, the good news of Jesus with their city. Paul says they are much more bold to speak the word. I mean, listen, proclaiming Jesus that he's the rightful ruler of heaven and earth and not Caesar, that was not an easy thing for them to do. I mean, you get your head cut off for saying that. Literally. And many of them did. Many were willing to boldly proclaim that Christ is Lord, even with a sword at their neck. So where did all of this boldness come from? I mean, I'll be honest. It's not easy for me to be bold at times. I can be timid at times. It, it's boldness is not something that comes easy for me. I wish that I was much more bold to, to share the gospel with anyone at any time. But, but we need this boldness. So where does it come from? Well, it says there in verse 14, it comes from confidence in Christ. Everything we were just talking about. You see, boldness is not a personality trait. Boldness has nothing to do with your Enneagram number, whatever that is. This boldness, it's not not even a spiritual gift. Some people have the gift of boldness. The rest of us, maybe not so. Gospel boldness comes from gospel confidence. The more confident that I am in Christ, the more bold I will be to proclaim Him. If you have a Bible or on your phone, flip back to Acts chapter 4 with me. Acts chapter 4. So in this chapter, we find the early church wrestling with boldness. Peter and John have been arrested for preaching the gospel in Jerusalem. The the Jewish leaders threaten them with violence and charge them to stop talking about Jesus. Of course, they're not going to do that. But when they, they go back to the church and they share what had happened... The the church is feeling a, a little fearful. They're they're a little afraid. They're lacking in boldness. So what does the church do? Did they say, "Hey, we need to have a strategy meeting. Let's let's stay up all night and let's let's have a strategy meeting on how to be bold." Or did they say, "Hey, let's let's hire us a consultant who can come in here and who can teach us how to be bold." Or, or did they say, "Well, let's just we need to do some community research. Let's let's get out there and research the community and." Find where we can actually share the God. They didn't do any of that. They prayed is what they did. Notice their confidence starting in verse, 20, uh, in verse 24. They're confidently praying to the sovereign Lord who made the heaven and earth. And as you read through that prayer, you see them confident in God's predestined plan for Jesus to suffer and to die and to rise again for our sins. And then look at what they say in Acts 4, verse 29. This is their prayer. Now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. They're threatening us. We're tempted to not be bold. So we're praying, Lord, give us boldness. I mean, isn't that an amazing prayer? I mean, I thought the early church was invincible. I mean, I thought they had everything right. Well, it seems like they struggled with boldness, just like we do. And that struggle then led them to pray for boldness. Lord, help us speak your word with all boldness. I wonder if you're struggling with boldness. I ask you this, are you, are you praying for boldness? I mean, if the people who saw Jesus risen from the dead needed prayer for them to be bold, then I think we need prayer for us to be bold. Pray for boldness to share the gospel at work. For boldness to share the gospel with your family. Boldness to share the gospel with neighbors. Pray for boldness that we would go into this neighborhood and share the gospel. That we would find Muslims in Bowling Green to share the gospel. That we would find atheists on campus to share the gospel. Pray for boldness to share with anyone and everyone that the Lord brings. I mean, maybe we're just over here guessing, hey, I guess I'm never going to be bold. When all we have to do is pray. Because that's the prayer that God loves to answer. Look at, look at verse 31 here in Acts 4, just moving down a little bit. And it says, And when they had prayed, the place in which where they were gathered together was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. They prayed for boldness. God answered their prayer. They went out with boldness. You know, everybody wants to focus on the the building shaking in this verse, don't they? I mean, they're like, man, if we could just be praying so hard that this building just started shaking, wouldn't that be awesome? Friends, that's not the miracle in verse 31. The miracle is that spirit-filled people, the spirit-filled followers of Christ went out and continued to speak the gospel with boldness. I mean, give me spirit-filled boldness over a shaky building any day. And I think if we we're honest, there's probably parts of this building that we don't want to be shaking. But boldness, boldness, that's, that's what we need. That's what we should be praying for. So why don't you add that simple prayer to your list of things that you pray for? Say this simple prayer. Jesus, give me boldness. Pray for confidence in Christ. Pray to be filled with the Spirit. Pray to be bold in your joyful proclamation of the gospel. Paul is rejoicing because the church in Rome is boldly speaking the word of God. So let's be that kind of church too. Let's be the kind of church that lets our confidence in Christ lead us to spirit-filled boldness in Christ. So brothers and sisters, let's be bold in Christ so we can joyfully proclaim him. Lastly, so be confident in Christ. Be bold in Christ. Lastly, be fearless in Christ. Remember our main idea one more time. Confidence in Christ leads to joyful proclamation of Christ with boldness and without fear. All of this is right there, back at Philippians. Philippians chapter 1, right there in verse 14. There at the end of verse 14, the Roman church is speaking the gospel with boldness, and then Paul says at the very end, without fear. You know, I think fear is probably what most of us would say is the number one reason why we don't share the gospel with other people. Fear of rejection, fear of hurting a relationship, fear of looking weird, fear of being labeled a fanatic at work, fear of just being awkward. I mean, sometimes, especially around the world, there's sometimes even actually more fears of something worse. I mean, the fear of losing your job, the fear of being cast away from your family, really the fear of losing your life in many places around the world. So what made the Roman church share Jesus without fear? Well, Paul goes on to tell us. Look at verses 15 and 16. He says, Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter, that's those from goodwill, do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for a defense of the gospel. Now, we don't know exactly what's happening here. There appears to be some people preaching the gospel to make it worse for Paul. I mean, maybe they were saying something like, Have have you heard that some people are saying this Jesus guy is Lord and and not Caesar? That's what that Paul guy is saying. I mean, I don't know. Maybe they're saying that. I mean, we don't really know. But Paul does tell us. They are saying they're doing it out of envy and rivalry. They don't like Paul. They're jealous of him. And so they're doing this to make it worse for him. Paul tells us in verse 17, they're doing it out of selfish ambition and insincerity, just to make it worse for Paul. But notice what he said about those who are doing it for the right reasons. He says they do so out of love. It's love that's motivating them to proclaim the hope of Christ. It's love that's helping them share the gospel without fear. As 1 John 4, 18 says, There is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out all fear. You see, it's their love for Jesus and their love for their neighbors that leads them to share the gospel without fear. If you really love someone, you won't fear them. And if sharing the gospel is the most loving thing we can do, then we won't let fear Stop us. Do you know Penn Gillette? He's half of the famous magician duo Penn and Teller. He's an atheist. And he one time said this about Christians sharing their faith. He said, if you believe there's a heaven and a hell and people could be going to hell. And you think that it's really not worth telling them this because it would make it socially awkward. How much do you have to hate someone not to tell them? How much do you have to hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? Like, ouch. This guy's not even a Christian. But he's right. He understands that if what we say we believe is actually true, then we ought to love people by sharing the hope of Christ with them. If people will face an eternity in hell without Jesus Then we must tell them if we love them. So, our love should trump our fear. Our love for our neighbors should trump our fear. Our love for our family members should trump our fear. Our love for this city should trump our fear. Our love for the nations should trump our fear. Really, our love for Jesus is what should trump our fear. I mean, if we love Jesus, we should do what he says. We should make disciples of all nations because we love Jesus. We should be witnesses to the ends of the earth because we love Jesus. We should proclaim forgiveness of sins in His name because we love Him. We should be prepared to share a defense for the hope that we have within us with anyone because we love Him. We should be willing to go across the street and share the gospel with our neighbors because we love Jesus. We should be willing to move across the world to share the gospel with nations because we love Jesus. You see, when our love grows, our fear fades. And we'll be able to proclaim the gospel without fear. When our love for Jesus and our love for neighbors is strong, we can be fearless in sharing the gospel. I don't mean foolish. I mean fearless. When we share the gospel, we need wisdom. We need patience. We need grace. We need gentleness and understanding. But when we are confident in Christ, we and when we're filled with his love, we can proclaim the gospel without fear. So let me encourage you to do something soon, this week, this month. Here's one simple way to overcome your fear of sharing the gospel. Share the gospel. Share the gospel. Sometimes the best way to overcome our fear is to just do it. To find someone that we can talk about Jesus with and just do it. Ask for boldness. We've talked about that. Pray for that. Pray for love. Open your mouth and just talk about Jesus. I mean, the work is done. The table's set. We're inviting people to come and join the feast. So let's not let fear stop us. Have a gospel conversation with one of your kids. There you go, parents. You got an easy one, right? Sit down. I'm going to talk to you about Jesus. Have a gospel co- conversation with a coworker over lunch. Hey, you want to go grab lunch today and talk about Jesus? Have a gospel conversation with an old friend over coffee. Have a gospel conversation with a neighbor over dinner in your home. Remember, perfect love casts out all fear. So let's be confident in Christ. Then let's proclaim him without fear. So brothers and sisters, let's be filled with the love of Jesus and joyfully proclaim him without fear. You know, Paul in this passage is excited that the gospel is being proclaimed. So he closes our passage in verse 18, celebrating the gospel. He says, you know, look, there's people doing it for the wrong reasons. There's people doing it for the right reasons. I don't really care. Christ is proclaimed. And in that I Rejoice. Now the reality is is that many of us here may never share the gospel with anyone. Studies show that the majority of Christians claim to have never shared the gospel with anyone, and some maybe never will. If that's you today, let me invite you into joy. Friends, you are loved in Christ. You're forever forgiven. You're forever set free. You are not saved by sharing the gospel. You are saved by Christ alone, through faith alone, by grace alone. There is therefore now no condemnation for anyone who is in Christ Jesus. None. So I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. But what you are missing by not sharing the gospel is this kind of joy that Paul describes here in verse 18. When we fail to share the gospel, we are missing out on joy. It's the joy that the Father has in heaven when one sinner repents and they throw a party in heaven. It's the joy that led Christ himself to endure the shame and the suffering of the cross. It's the same joy that the Spirit bears in us like fruits on a vine. It's the joy of seeing someone move from death to life. The joy of seeing someone set free from sin and shame. The joy of seeing someone bow the knee to King Jesus. And even if people aren't saved, there's joy in proclaiming a loving Savior. There's joy in proclaiming a gracious King. There's joy in proclaiming the treasure of heaven. So brothers and sisters... Let's welcome the Spirit's conviction today. I know I'm convicted by this passage and this message, but let's not give ourselves over to guilt. Instead, let's press into the joy of proclaiming Christ together. Let's be confident in Christ. Let's be bold in Christ. Let's pray for boldness. And let's let love cast out all fear as we share the good news of Jesus. Brothers and sisters, the work is finished. The table is set. And let's go and tell people they can come to the feast. And as we go, let's do it with joy. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for your word today, God. We thank you for this passage here that Paul wrote to the Philippian church so many years ago. And it it helps us think about The joys of proclaiming Christ. That a man, Jesus of Nazareth, lived and died and rose again so that he might be the rightful ruler over heaven and earth. And so that he might save sinners. That he might build his church. That he might bring his kingdom to earth one day, God. And so we thank you so much that Jesus did all of that for us. We thank you that we are saved by grace. Through faith by the free gift of salvation in Jesus Christ. And so God, if you want to convict us today, Lord, help us be convicted. God, but may none of us give over to guilt or shame, Lord. Let us be motivated by the joy that you have offered us in Jesus as we seek to invite others to join us in that same joy. So God, make us confident in the finished work of Christ Lord, we pray like those early believers did there in Acts 4. God, would you give us boldness? God, answer that prayer for us. Give us boldness to proclaim Christ. And God, would you fill us with your love and the love of Jesus and the love for our neighbors so that that perfect love might cast out all fear and we might joyfully proclaim the good news. God, I pray for anyone here today who's not come to the table. Lord, the work is finished, the table is set. God, may they be invited to come today, God. Would you work on their hearts? Would you you draw them to yourselves? Would you help them to repent of their sins, to believe in Jesus, and to come to celebrate with his people? And God, as we continue through this series in Philippians, pressing into the joy we have in Christ, may we be faithful to boldly proclaim to anyone and everyone the good news of Jesus. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.